Spags, we're back on a Tuesday to battle in the best ball mania three streets. All kinds of preseason news, shaking things up. Are you ready to go head-to-head for three only, only a few more of these left, Pete. I'm excited to be here with you. We got Jonathan Taylor trade possibilities floating out there. Pete and I are discussing the various pests in our backyard right before the stream. And, and Jonathan Taylor, Pete, I don't think is going to get traded. I was debating this with ADP chasing Sam Sherman a little bit on Twitter yesterday. I don't think there's a market for him, so I think we got to talk about it right away. Where do you land in the great debate? Is, does anybody want to trade for a running back? I think the thing it really comes down to is, is Jonathan Taylor going to demand an extension or a new contract as part of this trade? Because that's going to be the rub. No one's going to give up a lot of capital for him and give him this massive contract. But if some team's like, yeah, we'll take the one-year rental, and Jonathan Taylor's like, I'm just so fed up with the Colts and Jimmy saying I just want to change the scenery, then I do think it could come down. But like, aren't we in this spot because Jonathan Taylor wants a long-term extension. So I don't know how that's all going to come together. I, I am with you. I, I think the least likely thing to happen or the most likely thing to happen is he stays with the Colts. But I do think the chances are decently high, like 30, 35% that he would get traded. Yeah, definitely going to be something I think we're going to have to discuss here. And we're going to find out the answers pretty fast. But the draft's already going, Pete. This is your draft number 128. So uh, the March to 15,000 subs, the March 250 entries. And your pick is number five here. Yeah, I'm already on the clock. We, of course, have four uh, wide receivers go in a row. I will go ahead and grab Christian McCaffrey here from the 1-5. Um, I was below uh, market on McCaffrey, I think, at 6% there. Um, I just I don't really feel like reaching for Diggs or A.J. Brown or Lamb. I'm a little less worried about some of the avalanche dynamics when I'm at the middle of the room, it was last week you were able to scoop up a ton of value from the middle part of the board. So I'm going to try to, uh, to stay on track here and uh, we'll see what comes to us. And you are picking from the 112, which ends up sometimes being both a, a blessing and a, and a hindrance. Yeah, spot you're you're vaguely familiar with the 112 here and there, and I'll, I'll see if I could do some nice things on the turn. I've had uh, some nice picks yesterday on stream at uh, the turn where I got DK Metcalf falling to the mid 30s, which felt pretty good. Um, anything you're noticing in these rooms lately that jumps out to you? I feel like the August drafting, I feel like, can be a little bit of a shock to people out there, where all of a sudden they're getting guys moving around the board, guys falling they're not used to. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's something that maybe you have a meta strategy as a man who's been through a few Augusts here and there. I mean, just some things I'm noticing are, it was funny, like I did a draft with Eric Bimefor on Friday and the two picks we took at the six, seven turn were picks I was used to taking at the eight, nine turn. And then the two picks we took at the eight, nine were the picks I was used to taking at the six, seven. We did a, a James Cook and Javante Williams and then came back with Bateman and Burks. And I've been drafting those guys just in reverse order for a lot of the season. So it's funny how in a way, maybe the textures of teams end up being similar because it's just guys, you know, jumping and replacing each other. But the other thing I've noticed, Spags, is basically after what would you say, 125, 130? Basically, we call it like the Jalen Warren tank Bigsby range. I mean, that has gotten just so incredibly gross. Like that mm -hmm. range, the market's gotten really efficient. We pushed the Greg Dolchich's back. We pushed the Luke Musgraves up. And you are left with some pretty tough decisions in that range. Yeah, I think it's definitely something where the cozy zero RB builds, the cozy hero RB builds, definitely not going to be quite as cozy at this point of the game. And uh, some of the guys moving up in the preseason, some of the guys moving down. I feel like the one guy who maybe is a little bit undervalued and with the Taylor stuff, uh, this is one place he's rumored to go. But uh, Devin H. Chan, I feel like, is one that uh, has kind of landed in a more comfortable spot. But besides that, uh, not much to note. And you get Devontae Smith here, which I like as a start for your receiver run. 
Yeah, I figure this room, um, I, I also thought maybe there's a chance I get uh, a Jalen Hurts at pick 29. You know, I would be happy. I haven't been doing a ton of the elite quarterback builds. If it doesn't happen, I have a feeling I'm going to like the running back there. Um, I considered taking Derrick Henry and getting my testosterone going <laughs> this morning, but I just have a feeling the way these drafts are going right now that it picks 44 and 53, I might also really like the running back option. So uh, Justin Jefferson uh, drafter does go Jalen Hurts uh, there, so I'm not going to get that stack, which isn't the end of the world, but that is kind of one bonus when you take Smith. You kind of give yourself a chance that Hurts comes back cheap. Have you been playing with some of the combinatorial data out there? Right, We've talked about Chad Maschke, of course, who's been uh, manually accumulating BBM4 data as best as he can. I think he's at about 4% of entries or something like that. Uh, but there's the Bobby Stats tool where you, you can run through these things. And I was doing it on stream yesterday and apparently had built a team on stream that at least that particular you know 4% of sample uh, thought that nobody else had that build. Have you played with it? Because I think that's, besides the Fantasy Life Best Ball Hub, one of the more addicting free tools that have been out there this offseason. No, I, I have the, so I've done two drafts. This is my fourth draft over the past, like four days or whatever. And in two of them, I realized back, I had zero Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson combos, like wow. dead zero. Um, so I did one with Jefferson on Friday with buying four. And then I did one with Jamar chase, um, from the early part of the board on best ball breakfast. So that was one of them too. And also a funny thing, and I'm on the clock here is I realized I had and man, now this is really turned in to just like an uber gross range here. I was really hoping Mark Andrews would fall to me. Um, I guess we could do like a backdoor Josh Allen, but that's still really not the way I'm enjoying building right now. Um, I think what I'm going to do, this is a pairing I don't have a ton of, and I'll confirm on the uh, best ball hub um, because I don't take a lot of CMC. Uh, I don't have him with Debo yet. And I do take a lot of Debo. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and grab that. But what I was going to say Spags is like, I've noticed some real blind spots. Like JSN is my most drafted player. I did not have him paired with Justin Jefferson until Friday. You know, it's like yeah. you want your most exposed player also tethered to the best pick. And that's partly because I haven't had a lot of one-on-ones but it is interesting. Like we only have a, like less than 23 drafts left, 22 drafts left. Like if I'm not getting these combos now, I'm not getting them. Yeah. I've only got about 18 left for myself as well. So definitely trying to get a few more in that I think will be unique. People have seen me do the Justin Jefferson, Christian Watson reach. That's one I'm happy to get a few more of here. Cause that does project to be about 7% owned from the data we have so far. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, some players here that are going to look more appealing as well on the board. Josh Jacobs uh, apparently reports that he will officially be reporting before week one, though it is from uh, from our friends over at Bro Bible, Pete. So are you putting <laughs> any weight in that one? I, and to be clear, Bro Bible is my former site, Guyism. That was what got turned really? into Bro Bible. Yeah, so um, um, yeah, me, I didn't report on news though. <laughs> I actually have some thoughts about Bro Bible, but one sec here. Yeah, I'll report. I'll pick some players in the meantime. No, I was going to say, so that guy, Dove, what's his name? Like Dove, Dove Climbing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, that guy absolutely hustles and he's actually really good at like his Twitter feed is very helpful as like a mm -hmm. news source. And when I do the fantasy life water cooler, like he basically puts out water cooler type content. What are the like interesting things? What's the podcast clip? But then like whenever I read the pro Bible articles, I'm like, this is a wasteland. It does feel like <laughs> early bar stool, like geo sites, like layout and stuff. And it's like, it, it is weird where I appreciate him unearthing all of this stuff, but that I always roll my eyes when I land on brobible.com. So actually, all right. So let's do an interesting little history run here, Pete, because bro Bible. Yeah. So what happened was bro Bible got acquired by a company that as was, 
uh, but now Uproxx. Basically, okay. what happened was that site, along with my site, Gaiism, got driven into the ground by that company because they were coke-addled ad execs. Sorry, I don't know defamation. I used to read some blogs on Uproxx, like Kissing Susie Colber. The uh, yep. Warming Glow was a really good like TV pop yep. culture blog over there. Yeah, so basically what happened is that then the guys brought uh, bought back Bro Bible, the initial owners, and then they took my former staff at Geism because the company had merged it all together. And now my well, my friend Cass, who I went to the wedding of, uh, one of my close friends, he's the editor-in-chief. And it's just basically like a big ad farm site, which, you know, I, I don't yeah. think they'd be offended by me saying. But it is odd because, like, it's a big ad farm site, and then it's like you got Dove Climb in there trying to be Adam Schefter. Yeah, uh, it is hilarious. Um, damn, I was really the three running backs I was hoping would fall to me at 44 all go off the board back back to back. Uh, Ramondre, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall. Um, You've got Najee gonna, though. We do. One guy I am trying to hit more in this range is Drake London. Um, I think some of his usage, even seeing how, you know, like one of my thesis heading into this season was like, you know, one of Drake London or Kyle Pitts, I think can still have a mega breakout in this offense and seeing kind of the situational usage they're continuing to give Kyle Pitts, you know, it is getting me a little bit more spooked about him being the one that could have that massive breakout, obviously has the talent to do so, but I am getting more and more convinced that Drake London could be a one-two turn pick next year. Basically where Garrett Wilson is going and I could really see him taking off here. So I'm slightly above the field at 10%, but I think he really starts to stand out to me of all the wide receivers in this late fourth, early fifth. And I want to be boosting my Drake London exposure. I think that makes sense. I certainly have been a little more on team Christian Watson and George Pickens taking that leap potentially to, you know, the one, two turn, maybe the two, three turn for Pickens. Uh, but, you know, Drake London's been sitting there all off season. It's certainly an Atlanta offense that uh, does some interesting things, even though obviously as fantasy players, we perhaps like them a little bit less than we should with what they've gotten results wise there. But Drake London's like a really good prospect. And I think also too, like all the rece reception perception guys and like, Anybody who's deep in the wide receiver streets thinks that Drake London is like a star in the making and he doesn't get treated like it in best ball mania. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree with that. Uh, Spags, did we get to talk about your, your turn picks down there, Jerry Judy and Christian Watson? Oh, yeah, just kind of scooping up some guys here. I got the early running back with Nick Chubb, so I definitely am happy to go away from the position for a little bit here. I've really been enjoying the extreme zero RB builds where I'm going six uh, wide receivers out of the first maybe seven rounds or so. Uh, so that might be something I still do here. But I do think Nick Chubb, he and Bijan Robinson are the two guys that I still want to make sure I'm getting some bags of down the home stretch because I just did not get us uh, the field's expected ownership of 8%. Uh, so at this point, you know, I'm happy to build around Chubb, and I'm curious to see what you're going to build around here. You know what? I'm trying, you know, a lot of people, they call me a smoothed out exposure, bro. They say these idiot streamers don't have player takes. I, I, I'm just going to keep windmilling it in on JSN. My highest roster guy, 20% here. Um, I don't see a lot else jumping out to me. So I just, I'm going to bring joy into my life and uh, and grab another JSN share. Also, you got to love the uh, the DraftKings style fall for Terry McLaurin because Pete, he got slightly hurt yesterday. So now he has to fall seven picks past ADP for no particular reason. Yeah, uh, I think that I mean, and that that kind of goes to the like the A-chain stuff. It is a little different, right? When it's a veteran versus a rookie because a rookie like A-chain is like having to kind of prove his worth and where he fits into this offense and the team needs to see, can they trust him? All this stuff like you don't have those questions with the veterans. Um, like Terry McLaurin, where I don't think we should be as panicked, uh, about that, but you always got to appreciate the, um, snap reactions and then seeing like, who's the person willing to catch the falling knife or who is just the person who 
didn't read Twitter last night and was like, ah, Terry McLaurin here in the fifth. Sounds great. I mean, he's not like, I just feel like any of these injuries at this point, I'm happy to get the discount on these guys because even if he were to somehow miss week one, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, you know, seven picks after ADP when he's been a riser, I think always going to look pretty good. Um, mm. I'm on the clock here though. A uh, slight fall from Madison, really not a lot of values coming up in this room so far. Uh, but I have talked about wanting to get more Pickens and Watson together. They are a combination that I've loved overall, but are sometimes not matching together. So I'm going to grab Pickens first. And then I guess, ugh, I, I just don't like Marquise Brown that much. I'm going to get a share of Damian Pierce. Um, I think he's a guy that some positive signal from the preseason. I've been a little more team Devin Singletary just because of trying to buy the dip on a guy who could be a, a guy coming in from the new coaching staff that they want to use. But uh, but Pete, I feel like Damian Pierce, like there's a shot he's Christian McCaffrey in this bootleg San Francisco offense they're trying to do. And um, I don't know if you've got a lot of shares, but I feel like I want to at least get close to where the field's going to be. Yeah, he's a guy I've been trying to get more of. I took him on best ball breakfast on Monday. I do agree. Um, if like the the crazy thing for Damian Pierce, right, is like it really does come down to almost a binary thing. Is he the pass catching back? If he's the pass catching back, he's completely undervalued. Like he should be going probably in the fourth round, you know, where Najee and ETN and stuff are going maybe slightly, obviously ahead of Najee, but maybe like right after that ETN Brees Hall Ramondre comes off. Now, if he's not catching passes, right. And he's seeding that to Singletary or Dara and Goombawale, and you're on a bad team, that's in a lot of negative game scripts, then he's probably slightly overpriced at pick 61. But I agree with you that I think it's more likely that he is the pass catching back at this point, which means if you're getting, you know, what, two rounds of value essentially on that thesis being correct, I think he's a good uh, a good pick there, especially with the super wide receiver heavy starts. Yeah, I mean, Pierce just a guy that I think, you know, could go either way, really. Like, it would not shock me. Uh, Kenneth Walker, I think I've talked about enough, where I do think Charbonnet is going to prove to be the better back there. For Pierce, you know, kind of similar to Kenneth Walker, where he got exploded on the scene last year. Fantasy players love him, but we'll see what he can do in a real team. And, and you got a player, Pete, that I think has been undervalued for a while now. He's back in camp practicing, but... J.K. Dobbins, I feel like with what we saw yesterday from the Ravens running back usage, that's Dobbins out there, who last year was the best, you know, analytics back overall in the entire league. I think Dobbins is really in line to have a smash year. Yeah, he, you know, there was a few of these guys that I'm trying to boost my exposure to. Um, you know, one is Pierce. Uh, you know, Travis Etienne is a guy that I'm wanting to get more. Um, Kenneth Walker, uh, uh, to a little bit of a lesser extent, but J.K. Dobbins is one of those few running backs I am trying to kind of go out of my way to get. I didn't really have to go out of my way here at pick 68. Um, his ADP right now is at 67. And I agree with you. To me, Again, I think people are still just anchored to kind of a rough off season that he's had. And there's been injury stuff. There's been the holdout, the hold in. But when you really start to peel it all back, this is just all lining up for him to show up to the Ravens in, in the first week as a completely healthy back in one of the most explosive offenses in football. So um, I very much want to be on Dobbins. I wish I could get some more Lamar Dobbins pairings. That one is always mm -hmm. fun, but I have no problem with him here as my RB2 along with CMC. Yeah, Dobbins Andrews too is one that I've gotten a good amount of with Miami guys. And I think that's a fun week 17 correlation with a real upside for those guys being concentrated parts of the Baltimore offense. But uh, Dobbins just, I think, you know, you saw uh, guys like Keaton Mitchell breaking long runs yesterday. Like that is a big part of what this Todd Munkin offense should be and why it should be better as well as giving Lamar more control. But I think it bodes really well for Dobbins, but Pete, you're on the clock. Yeah, I'm debating here Flowers or Quentin Johnston. 
Um, I do flowers more in my Lamar builds. I'm going to go ahead and take QJ here, another guy who I continue to be kind of surprised that his price isn't up a little bit more. Yeah, I was uh, definitely eyeing him too for a little micro correlation with Jerry Judy, but a player that certainly I think has gotten not the best camp reports in terms of his split with Josh Palmer. Like it does feel like Josh Palmer could be in the mix taking some snaps away, but you buy into the talent. And I know Pete, you and I are kind of the same in this one. I could not care less about any drop issues or perceived ones going on in the offseason with Quentin Johnson. Like his the fact he's getting this many targets, I think, is the main thing you look at for him and what's going to bode well. Yeah, I could I could care less about the drop stuff. I mean, the the stuff I get scared about is, you know, Greg Dolchich like playing behind Adam Troutman and basically every tight end set. Like that's the kind of stuff. If if Quentin Johnston was playing with, you know, Jalen Guyton with the third team right now, I think we could start to be like, all right, this guy has a ways to go. But it's actually the opposite. I've used the uh, the example too. You know how like in the NBA when we like, man, Russell Westbrook sure has a lot of turnovers. And it's like, well, it's because he's the most high usage rate player in the league and he's the focal point of the offense. Like the fact that they were getting Quentin Johnston out there, force feeding him the ball in the red zone, they get him that touchdown as well. It shows me that they have very um, big intentions for QJ this year. And I do think, Chris, don't you think this a bit with, even the rookie tight ends, because people are still hanging on to that narrative that rookie tight ends don't produce. And I know you're you're on the clock here. I'll let you make your your picks. But don't you think people still maybe have the stigma that like they just can't envision these guys being focal points of their offense right out of the gate as a rookie? Yeah, I, that's been a thing that really annoys me about the rookie running backs in particular, where it's like people forget that it doesn't matter about the week one part. Obviously, you want to have a team balance. That's something I've talked about where I give the full credit to Pete uh, last year, kind of beating in my brain earlier on that, you know, if you draft all rookies, like, yeah, that's great. Might feel good. Might be fun to get the headshotless team, but you want to have guys that are going to be in there in the beginning of the year and then guys who can profit off of the chaos and be there at the end of the year. And for some reason, like, I think a lot of people are like, well, Devin A. Chain's not starting week one. Why are we so excited about him? And it's like, you're excited about him because he might be a part of a Miami offense where he's a big play guy who can be the young version of Raheem Mostert. And then by week 17, he could be the guy that's going head to head with Dobbins trading touchdowns or something. Uh, so I think that's something for me too, where I'm fully on the same page as you. And I, you know, I, I week 17 is the only thing that matters. And I feel like uh, in August in particular, people seem to forget that. Yeah. Um, in the, the other thing too, is like when you are right and you get to have your cake and eat it too, of immediate production and the rookie who is earning a bigger role and getting more confident down the stretch. Like that's a pretty powerful combination. And sure, if you were super heavy on rookies, you could end up with what I would call, you know, a, probably a portfolio that's going to have a lower advance rate, right? Cause just naturally there's going to be more landmines. Um, but I think if you're pretty intentional with where you're, you're put feathering those guys in, you're going to do all right. Um, I haven't taken a lot of Rashad white, um, I'm at 6.4% here. He slides a little bit past ADP. Nothing else really screaming at me here. So I'm going to grab a Rashad White share. Rashad White FUD bothers me a lot. Like I think he's, I you know, people kind of file him away as he's the dead zone running back. Like he's the archetype of it. And if anything, I think he is one of the safer running backs because he's on a team that frankly is not going to be very good offensively or is certainly portending to not be very good offensively. And the one thing that is safe for the most part on bad teams, and again, I'll say it out loud, the Bucks are a bottom five Super Bowl odds team who are underdogs every week of the season. So something to keep in mind. Rashad White's going to get those checkdowns. He's going to get the bullshit touches just to kind of run out the clock. And I think that has a lot of value for a guy going at 92. Like he could honestly be one of very few guys to get between 15 and 20 touches in that range. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think there are 
a lot of, I think, the downside risk is is priced out at this point, right? And again, we, we've talked about it a lot. You know, in previous years, the starting running back on a bad team just naturally ended up in the fifth round, right? We always use the Mike Davis example. Like mm -hmm. two years ago, this spot with Rashad White, and you could say James Conner too. I, I think it, it holds for him. Those guys would be fifth round picks. Uh, so it does make it a lot easier to take shots on these rookie wide receivers in five and six when you still can bank that running back volume in the eighth round. And again, Rashad White isn't a guy that like, I'm never like doing cartwheels when Rashad White falls to me, but I do think um, he certainly makes sense as part of a portfolio at these prices. Yeah, I mean, it's projectable volume. I know people, uh, Tyler in the chat saying that Sean Tucker and Vaughn are going to cut into it. I don't think so. I mean, Sean Tucker, I know, has, was a volume back at Syracuse. But if you look through some of those numbers, like really not that impressive. If you like Sean Tucker, you should like a guy like Chase Brown. And I know there's a lot of people that do not like Chase Brown. Uh, but Rashad White, you know, come in with a certain amount of the team's you know, backing him last year and have talked him up throughout the course of the offseason. And I don't know. I think Rashad White, one of those guys that people are sleeping on a little bit too much and probably has a more secure role, I would say, than people realize. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, again, we can every single back going in this range, we can we can talk about how yeah. they're facing touch competition. Um, so I, I I have no problem poking holes in, in all of these backs here. Um, man, Rashad Bateman really falling here. Um, you've noticed I've switched my overlay bag. So I get to see my week 15 and week 16 correlation instead, cool. because I, I have the weeks of a TD easily memorized. We're building out a, a San Francisco thing. Uh, Bateman and the Ravens do play, uh, the Niners in week 16. And we also have JK Dobbins. So we'll continue to kind of attack the Ravens, even when we don't have Lamar and I'll grab Bateman here at one Oh one. Yeah, Bateman, nice follower there. Of course, didn't catch a touchdown yesterday, so Zay Flowers is going to move up, and that's the reaction here of the markets that you're seeing in real time. But uh, Tua falling in this room. I, this room has been odd. Like, Madison fell, Tua's falling. I guess that's got more of dyna the dynamics with the Tyree Kill drafter and the Jalen Waddle drafter. Uh, but really, like, these are the values that I think people ask a lot about, like, what should you be scooping up? Um, if, Tua, if you could push Tua to the hundreds with one of the Dolphins receivers, uh, I would love that pick at this point in August because Tua, I, I think Tua is as locked in as anybody, even though he hasn't had the stellar preseason that people might want to see. It's funny. We've ended up with our, you know, we've been doing our main event, um, high stakes drafts over on ship chasing. And I want to say we have three shares of Tua at this point um, because we have some Waddle and Hill teams. And then he just falls over there as well. And he's even like an easier click and managed, right? Because if he gets hurt, you just cut him and you grab another, you know, Derek Carr off the waiver or whatever. Um, I, I do really think Tua is mispriced. I still don't do him really unstacked ever. You know, I, I do want him. Um, but I do think there are some of those scenarios where he's falling so much that if you go Tua and A-Chain or Tua and, you know, one of the other running backs, I think the value there is still so good that I don't even necessarily mind it without Hill and Waddle because he's he's just mispriced by a couple of rounds. There's no reason he shouldn't be going alongside Trevor Lawrence in these in these rooms. Yeah, I think it's because of guys like Troy here saying two is a high risk. Like the concussion stuff is not great, but um, you know, another year removed from that, certainly the NFL's helmet stuff continues to get better, protecting things like that. Uh, two has had some equipment upgrades that they've been reported about as well. So I think you got to take guys at face value and having a guy who's a part of this explosive offense that we know last year was so great should be improved with another year of scheming and the knowledge of that stuff. And uh, I'm with you like two, I think, you know, should definitely at least be in the Watson's here, if not the Herbert here. 
Um, couple little housekeeping things. Sam in the chat says it's my hey. MFing birthday. Waking up to some Pete and Spags content. Cheers. Happy <laughs> birthday. Spags has the party favors. Uh, also, speaking of future celebrations here, uh, and I am going to select Gino. Hmm? Am I going to select? No, he's gone. Oh, Petrowski. someone took Gino. Okay. Uh, then I will I will happily take uh, Rashad Penny here. I'm just making sure. Yeah, A-Chain should slide just a teeny bit. We'll go ahead and grab Penny. We have Devonta Smith. I was going to say, Spags, I am now 29 subs away from 15K. Wow. So, so we can I hit this now, theoretically. We could theoretically hit it now. I think within the next couple hours, we're going to hit it. So as you guys know, we've been doing the 15K sub challenge on this channel all summer. When we hit that, which is going to be today, um, later this week, I'm going to do a drawing. Three people will win $500 cash. We're going to do that drawing on a Friday show. That'll be Friday afternoon. I need to get that all scheduled and booked, but we will be at 15K by then. And anyone who leaves a comment on any of my Best Ball Mania 4 draft streams will be eligible. I think the max entry around right now is like seven. 75, 76 total streams that you could leave comments on. And Spags, I am, I'm dying out here responding to these comments because all the procrastinators are at now going back through the logs. I'm sure you've seen some of them on the Splash Play channel. And uh, I'm dying responding to all these. Well, it's funny too, because like FF Doom is one of our regulars, I think is going through and rewatching them. Yeah. And even like a quote that we had in all of them. And I'm like, oh boy, some of these, some of them I know are mine. Some of them I know are yours. One about Tyquan Thornton being a steal in the 170s. I was like, oh, that's a classic Pete quote. <laughs> <laughs> I heard one, uh, but it is fun. So make sure you're getting your comments in, but I'm excited for you. And Splash Play, a 450 away from our 3K uh, mark we're trying to hit. Kenny Pickett going at 122. Yeah, I was like, what, what is going on here? Why was that a uh, Kenny Pickett? Did did this person have unstacked and no no Steelers? Wow, yeah. uh, Tyler. If Pete wins, can we have a pizza brunch in Vegas? Sun's out, Bob's out. Susan, if I win Best Ball Mania, yes, yes, we can we can have a we can have a pizza party in Vegas. <laughs> I will commit to that. Yes, if I win millions of dollars, we could have a pizza party. <laughs> what a yeah, exactly. what a simple request from Tyler. Um. All right. We're now we're starting to get in this range, like I said, uh, where it just gets really filthy. You know what? I'm I'm excited about Javante Williams. I'm still drafting him, but I'm also still excited about Samaje P. Ryan at these prices. Um, can probably end up being done at running back here if I want. I do have the correlation with QJ. I think one of the things that uh gets lost with the P Ryan stuff is a lot of people are like, all right, P Ryan's the fast start guy, but then Javante will be the hammer down the playoff stretch. And now you're going to have like this dead roster when it matters the most, he still contains the same contingent upside throughout the season. And I would, I think you would argue that Javante is probably more susceptible to injury than the average running back, just considering what he's coming off of. And so if you're giving me some early season production with P Ryan, but you're also giving me the late season contingent upside where he would just be the trusted lead back in the Broncos offense. To me, that still is well worth the pick here in the 11th round, which again, traditionally is where guys like Alexander Madison in true handcuffs where you're not getting any um, early season value as kind of like a cherry on top of the contingent play. So that's my way of saying I still really like P. Ryan compared to some of these other options here. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. But let, okay, so let me see what I'm going to do here. Do you need some running backs? I have a Cleveland stack going, so I wouldn't hate... This is the one time I think Alan Lazard actually makes sense on a team. So I'm going to grab him here. And then I think one of these running backs has to go to me. Damian Harris falling overall. Uh, seems like his role's not the most solid. Ugh, running back got bled out, huh? Um, 
I'm going to take Tyler Algier here. Let's play the hits overall for me. So yeah, my running back room of Chubb, Pearson, Algier, a weird one, but running back really got bled out quickly here. Like you were talking about, it's now completely yeah. gross after 120. Like I thought, I said 125. I thought I was still going to have the choice of like a Warren or Bigsby here. I'm happy to get P Ryan because I, I think he's in that similar tier with those guys. But yeah, we see Warren go at 112 and Bigsby go at 117. Um, um, so with your P Ryan take two, I do want to point out one thing. So the, the coordinator this year for them is Joe Lombardi, I believe who's last year best known for check down after check down after check down and short throw after short throw after short throw, uh, going to a guy like Austin Eckler. So I think for P Ryan, that bodes well, should have a role. Uh, the saints offense overall historically has done a good job getting the backs involved in the past game. So I think P Ryan's got a solid spot, but you're making a pick. What are you going to do? Yeah, I was looking at things. This is, I mean, obviously you can see from the board, this is uh, a running back or, or sorry, a tight end or wide receiver pick based on value. I was deciding how I wanted to order it. The teams behind me, we got one team that has zero tight ends and then another teams that have one each. Laporta is another guy who's kind of screaming up and I'm in a punt tight end build here where I'm probably getting to three tight ends. I love getting a little bit of, you know, big upside at the position here. So this is another one of those things where these tight ends are, you know, people are now reaching for them. And if I'm trying to bake in some upside at the position, I'm just going to go ahead and lock up Laporta because I think this wide receiver tier is a little flat. And I do think I played this right. Gainwell comes off the board. Higby comes off the board and we'll see if a wide receiver I like comes back. I love Laporta. I mean, I've got a lot of my bags packed for him and when he was going a little bit lower. So I feel pretty good about that. But even still, like I'm happy to buy the rise. Like I think he should be priced closer to Dalton Kincaid at this point. Kincaid, um, have you changed any priors on Kincaid given his usage in the preseason and everything we're hearing? No, I, I mean, to me, like, wouldn't you agree like Laporta, Musgrave and Kincaid were hearing and seeing everything you would want? To see, no, I, yeah, I mean, I've been pumping these guys' bags the entire offseason, so I'm seeing exactly what I thought we would see, and like I think even more in some respects, right? And so, what we're back to the same spot we were with Kincaid, right? Where you're just paying a pretty big premium on the Bills' offense thing, mm -hmm. you know, he's going two rounds ahead of Laporta here, and so it's still just so much more palatable for me to take, you know, Laporta two rounds later, Musgrave three or four rounds later. Um, if I'm wanting to make that bet. And really the reason is I think Dalton Kincaid would start jumping off the page for me. If I was doing more Josh Allen builds, that's where mm -hmm. I really am like, no, no, no. I, I want to prioritize a Kincaid, but because I don't have a lot of Allen, I am often finding this 115 tag to be really expensive. Like you're taking him ahead of Rashad Penny, Devon, a chain, even some decent wide receivers here. So I, I certainly get it with the Josh Allen build here. He got Josh Allen at pick 30, I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Roto Street timing off on Rashi Rice. I was certainly ready to grab him, but we'll go ahead and grab um, one of my favorite players for the early part of the season. Haven't gotten a ton of him in like the middle portion, but we'll grab Marvin Mims and we're kind of building out a lot of these running back wide receiver team correlations. We got P. Ryan with Mims. We got Rashad Penny with Devonta Smith. We got CMC with Debo Samuel. We got JK Dobbins with um, Rashad Bateman. And apparently now I need to take what Trey Palmer to pair up with Rashad white. Yeah, I, that's Trey Palmer. I like, I think that he's a guy that is going to have a role now to start the year should be playing out of the slot for the most part. Though They might move Godwin in, in there a little bit more, but if they do kind of pull off the dogs at the end of the year, call off the dogs from Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I think Trey Palmer can can do a, a decent bootleg version of Mike Evans and what he does. So 
Palmer's one of those guys where I think if you know the Bucks decide, hey, we're going to tag for Caleb Williams at the end of the year, you're probably seeing Palmer get a lot more work than he would possibly get in any situation right now. As you make these picks, Bullock pulls up. I think this would be fun. Is there going to be a recap in January on how all of the Pete versus Spags leagues came out comparing advance rates and stuff? Yeah, I am excited about that this year. As I mentioned on Best Ball Breakfast, we're going to be doing more uh, best ball review throughout the season because we streamed all of these. Everyone uh, is familiar with these teams, these takes. So yes, we will check in on these and Spags and I will definitely, uh, we'll, we'll figure out a way, maybe we can get some spreadsheets going Spags and uh, and keep track of some of these head-to-head -head battles. Yeah, I've got everything marked. I've also got some weird drafts. If there's anything bizarre that's happened on the stream, I try to mark it in some way too. So I think we'll have fun tracking it for the most part, uh, besides the actual process, Pete, of, of doing work and figuring out how to track it. <laughs> and, and what to do content-wise? Like, what are you going to do? I know you've talked about uh, the federal government has made some changes to the laws about talking about your best ball teams. Like, do you think there's an audience for a weekly, like, how's it going in best ball show? Because it feels kind of narrow. So I'm, it's not going to be me, my own thing. My shift is instead of my Monday morning um, DFS GPP review being exclusively DraftKings. Like last year, it was like an hour show and I spent like 55 minutes on the shitty DFS lineups. Like this year, it's going to be more balanced, right? It'll be, you know, a third looking at the DFS stuff. It will be a third reviewing the best ball lineups and then probably another third like looking at weekly winners and sweats for Monday night football and stuff like that. So that's that's the shift I'm making. But People have told me uh, that they feel invested in this portfolio, which is kind of the mm -hmm. point of streaming them all. And I think it will, there'll be a lot more fodder to share. A lot of times when people talk about a best ball team, it's like they're talking about one of their dreams, right? You don't care about their dreams. You didn't have that dream. At least people here saw how all of these drafts unfolded. And so I do think checking in on them uh, will actually be interesting. Like if Jalen Tolbert goes off, going back and looking at the one team where I took uh, Jalen Tolbert will be pretty fun. Um, we do have a punk quarterback build going. We already have um, CMC and Debo Samuel. This seems like the time to lock up Brock Purdy. I like that for you. And yeah, I like that approach too. I think that makes sense. And certainly one where uh, you are basically like, the, you're the best ball Truman show. Like this has been a reality show of you drafting teams. I know I'm feeling it too, because I've been drafting five days a week of teams on the Splash Play channel. We'll be doing one right after the stream ends as well. Uh, so come hang out there and please subscribe to that channel too. Uh, but I would say that like, I think there is a real investment in what you've done. And honestly, if you somehow win or, you know, if anybody who streamed a team this year has won, I think that's going to be tremendously fun. And just the fact that you've done it more than anybody else gives you the best shot to have a team that won on stream. Yeah. I mean, it, it will either be incredibly fun because we'll be sun running a couple teams and, and hopefully that's the dream, right? It would, the dream would be just to have one team that's, let's just say like top 50 or top 100 in the regular season leaderboard that just has a crying uh, or an outside chance at banking that 500 K or we have, um, a, a sweat in the playoffs, right? You get one team through that's getting hot at the right time. So one thing I was thinking through here, Spags, I had thought I was going to get Geno Smith way back when, and I was kind of plotting out my late quarterback room. Um, right now, I don't have a lot of viable stacks built out. This is getting a little cheaper here for Kyler Murray, who I think makes sense as part of a three quarterback build. And there's some guys that I could build out potentially with late stacks. Um, Trey McBride is a guy I could grab. So I'm going to go ahead and grab Kyler Murray. Um, no one wants any pieces of these Cardinals right now. Rondell Moore still available at pick 174 as well.
Yeah, Michael Wilson up to a 280p, but you can still, you should be able to get him. I have seen him get picked weirdly in some rooms, like incredibly early. I think people are very excited about him running a lot of routes in the preseason, but Kyler, definitely a good bailout QB. I feel like he still could have maybe done a Mac thing if you want to, if you really want to get ugly. I'm like, I feel like I'm good. I don't know if I'm just scarred on all my early Tyquan Thornton, I, but like this entire offense outside of Ramondre Stevenson spags, I'm like, Yes, it's a backdoor stack that's there, but you look at their schedule. The, I mean, the, their playoff schedule too, and all the cold outdoor weather games. This offense looks like a stone disaster. I, I really, do they have the worst pass catching crew in all of football, like including tight ends and wide receivers? Like it has to be bottom three or four. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Um, I'm also going to take Donovan Peoples-Jones here and then Gus Edwards for a micro-correlation for Baltimore-Miami to round out my team. But yeah, I mean, like Michael Wilson, people are excited about, I guess. Uh, Marquise Brown, I hate clicking him, but I could see why people would. That poor. They didn't get that in the best ball brunch, Pete. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm surprised they didn't. The the chat has gotten, you know, I I spoke my piece, you know, my PR team huddled. We did a tweet. um, We talked about it yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you've already talked about it on one of your splash play streams yesterday, but have you given the people your official uh, statement about best ball horniness? So I was out uh, with my family at an outdoor brewery while, while I got tagged in that and was like, what is going on here? Like, I thought it was just somebody spamming us, but the guy follows me too. So I was like, okay, I guess he's actually like in the space and then seeing all the quotes. I did not watch more than a few minutes. I frankly, uh, if we're, we're deep enough for the stream, Pete, I wasn't impressed by the guy's dick. Just I got to say, <laughs> say that up top. Make your pick. I I will be I will be completely honest. I have not watched it. I did um I quick tap because when I first saw it was happening, I thought it was like it was you know how like when something like traumatizing or crazy happens and you're literally trying to get your bearings and understand it. And I'm like, when I scrolled through and I saw some of the screenshots that said like week 17 as a tiebreaker, and I was like, okay, oh, this actually happened. Um, but I'm being completely honest, Spags, not a bit. Uh, I have not watched it yet. People did tell me that my promo code was mentioned. I did ask for a timestamp at 1810 when I went to him thanking Pete. I did have to confirm that part with my own eyes and ears, but I have not taken in the full 44 minutes yet. And it's not because I'm a prude. I just genuinely don't want to watch that. No, I said the same thing yesterday too, where it's like, I can't just sit down and watch porn. Like I can't just hang out and watch porn in the hope of seeing a clever reference or something. But I would, again, I just saw the beginning part scan through quickly and saw him, uh, an effort to get him propped up with just an unimpressive <laughs> little, little thing. And I, not a little thing. Sorry. That was rude. <laughs> Make your pick. Um, all right, we're going to, we're, we're going to saw it is what it was. <laughs> Spags to change subjects here. Do you think, do you think you can get, cause both of these, I think you could argue are maybe a little thin for a two quarterback or two tight end build, but I'm only going to be able to get one more tight end or one more quarterback. What do you think is more necessary on this? A third quarterback with Brock Purdy and Kyler Murray, who I did just double stack with Michael Wilson and McBride or a third tight end with Laporta and McBride. I would go a third QB for you, I think, uh, just because Kyler is not going to be there for a good portion of the year. And I do think there's a risk that he might not even be there in the back half of the year uh, just because of the, you know, it really doesn't behoove them. I think if they are a bad team to be trotting them out there when they could theoretically get another high pick and then have the optionality to trade Kyler or keep Kyler and trade the pick. Uh, so I would go QB. Um, and I think you've got Laporta, like Laporta's got a role, McBride, they both have roles from week one. And I will say, Spags, wouldn't you say maybe, is that the most underutilized tight end construction, which used to be a popular construction? You know, now everyone does three late. People used to just like punt it like 
twice over uh, mm -hmm. at the tight end position with like two mid to late ones. Um, so that is probably actually relatively unique because I think all of us, myself included, I reflexively say, hey, I took my first tight end at 142. This is going to be a three tight end build. The reason I got in this spot is normally I would just end up with a three QB, three wide receiver, but because of the Kyler pick, and because of what an incredible camp Michael Wilson is having and the drumbeat uh, is just so loud on him, I did really want to tack him on as part of a Kyler bet. So I get to eight wide receivers here when I think you could argue this team only needed seven after Marvin Mims. So maybe that was a maybe that was a bit of a mistake there. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I because like nine receivers feels excessive, but I don't think I need six running backs either. I am going to take a rare Mac Holland share. Mm -hmm. I don't really know why. I just have the micro correlation with Tyler Algier. And Mac Collins is in great shape, Pete. I don't know if you heard. He was really shut up to camp looking strong. <laughs> so the I dude is like a beast. Uh, he, he also is like if you just use the screener of like going through anyone who goes in like the 17th, 18th round and on, and you say like, is this guy capable of a 30-point game? The player pool really, really narrows. And you see a few guys like, Mac uh, Hollins, even a guy like Josh Reynolds had a really mm -hmm. massive game last year. There's a few of these guys that have proven to be able to just pop off. Even a guy like Richie James. Granted, it wasn't uh, most recently on the Giants. It was back when he was on the Niners and their entire offense was cleared out. And Richie James had a 30-point week. I believe that was like two or three years ago on a Thursday night football. But mm -hmm. I do think there is something to be said about these guys who have actually shown that they can do it. And if you get one 30-point week from Mac Hollins, Spags, you're very happy with that pick. Do you know who Richie James played in that game? Who? Uh, he played. It was, I remember it because I had him at captain in that game, Niners Green Bay. And that was Richie James exploding at like not a lot of ownership and fond memory for me. That was a great showdown. <laughs> are you, football, uh, what kind of, uh, are you planning on playing a lot of showdown this year? I love showdown. I mean, I did the showdown content last for splash play. My goal is to bring that back again. Cause I think the tournaments are, are pretty strong and I think there's a way to win at showdown without maxing out every single tournament. So I'll be trying to go back to the well again, but I'm honestly scared of the sim stuff. I know you've talked about that a lot with brick on the LOL show, but um, I hope I'm going to get access to some NFL sims through stochastic. I don't know if they're putting out an NFL sims product, but I assume they are. Um, so if that's the case, like I'm gonna have to adapt that to my game because I, I don't know. I don't want to go into the NFL season not having Sims access because that is like crushing in an MLB right now. Yeah, and I know our friends over at Run the Sims too are going to yes. be there rolling out some upgraded features to their simulator. Um, so yeah, I'll probably be similar to what I was last year, which is do a little Sim stuff for like the 20 max, 150 max. And then I, I think I am going to become a little bit more of a single entry bro this year even on sundays like i found myself kind of overextended last year where i'm spending all this time like trying to build five or six lineups and this year i might just be one of those guys who it's like you know what i'm gonna put all my heart all my soul into this one beautiful lineup and uh live and die by that because i do for me spags i find i i make slightly suboptimal decisions where i'm like oh i'll just put this guy in this lineup i'll just put this guy in this one and then i'll get my exposure and then i get kind of lazy with the way I actually round out the team. So single entry Pete uh, might be a thing this fall. See, for showdown, I think you have to put in multitudes just because you want to play like the outcome nobody's yeah. playing. Um, so that's, you know, that was how I had the one win last year. That was pretty solid. And, um, you know, same thing for Chicago, New, uh, New England was, I think, the game where uh, Whistles Go Woo, like won because he just basically ran out all Bears stacks. And like, I think there's ways to do it that are smart. But yeah, it's tough for main slate stuff. I think going single entry Pete might be smart for showdowns. 
Oof, I would I would have a hard time. I'd be so frustrated by that process. Yeah, no, I'm talking that the single entry stuff is is more uh, for main slates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the it is going to. I think your point is a very you know we're we're not joking about this stuff like the Simbros in the right. Like when you listen to me talk to Brick on Wednesdays, and like Brick is literally planning on having us do a show in a week or so about like is dfs dead this is like one of the top players who's been using sims at a very high level for a long time who is basically looking at what's out on the market publicly available and he says yes mine's slightly different but this is like 90 95 percent of my process and he's basically saying it's it's over like the field has been leveled so if you're not using those tools you're probably just going to be paying the rake this year in in showdown yeah, you cannot outplay or take simulations, unfortunately. So definitely a, a warning shot. And if Brick is saying that, yeah. And Brick has been, you know, again, very ahead of the curve with all of it. Mr. Mister, uh, a.k.a. TM Longacre, who has been a staple in my Best Ball Mania streams this summer, uh, sends a very nice super chat, says, final bullet fired and missed. Thanks for the content, boys. Good luck to you guys. And also good lick. I don't know if that's Tyler ghostwriting yours or if that's a genuine typo but uh genuinely appreciate you mr mister it's been fun and frustrating having you in my drafts sniping all my guys but spags i'm getting like vaguely nostalgic for this 150 draft thing like the fact that it's going to be over here in like a week and a half is nuts it has been a journey. I mean, you've definitely doing all them on stream, I think was a brave thing to do, but I also think it gave you a texture that most teams won't have. And you've gotten more takes out than anybody else in the industry through that process. So I think it's honestly impressive. I'll give you a round of applause now that you're closing on 15,000 subs. And I'm sure the, the chat feels the same way that um, it's been fun watching you do this stuff. And you know, you've got another 20 or so left, but um, I'm excited to see how it turns out. And I hope you get the results that you're looking for from it. I appreciate that, Spags. Let's recap these teams because we did get a little sidetracked having combos for the uh, the spoiler. I did end up going quarterback with my third uh, or my last pick. Basically, the decision for me was Ritter was the only quarterback I wanted to stack up with Drake London. If Ritter wasn't there, I might have just gone three tight ends and not forced the third quarterback, but I do love getting that extra stack. So, Spags, I finished with a 3-5-8-2. Brock Purdy, Kyler Murray, Desmond Ritter, my running back, CMC, J.K. Dobbins, Rashad White, Rashad Penny, Samaj P. Ryan. I got eight wide receivers, Devonta Smith, Debo Samuel, Drake London, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quinton Johnson, Rashad Bateman, Marvin Mims, Michael Wilson, tight ends, Sam Laporta and Trey McBride. So a little thin there at tight end. Did get some nice, you know, week 17 stacks, a big Cardinals, Eagles one, which is fun. I get um, just the Atlanta skinny stack, but we do get the uh, the Brock Purdy. No, actually, Washington stuff here, which is actually kind of rare for my my San Francisco yeah. builds. But we're playing that more through the Week 16 matchup with the Ravens, and then some mini correlations built in here as well. You know, we got the Denver with uh, with Quentin Johnston and Marvin Mims. So um, I like how this one turned out, Spags. How did you uh, land the plane? So I went with a two, five, nine, two, got Deshaun Watson and Jordan love at QB at running back Nick Chubb, who I again, want to get a little bit more of down the home stretch. Happy to get him paired with Deshaun Watson. Cause I think that captures the rising tide of Cleveland, but Nick Chubb, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, Jeff Wilson, Gus Edwards at running back. So definitely a little bit star studded, a little bit weak on the back end receiver, AJ Brown, Jerry, Judy, Christian Watson, George Pickens, Romeo Dobbs. Alan Lazard, Donovan Peoples-Jones, McCole Hardman, uh, Mac Holland. So pretty big on the Cleveland Jets stack. A tight end, Dallas Goddard, David Njoku, who I like as a tight end pairing. I think this team is interesting. I felt like uh, a little bit too many receivers, but they all kind of have functionality within the game stack. So I'm happy to go with it, but definitely a, a different team than I usually would build. Yeah, uh, 
I like this one too. It is like you, you must've had what, like 0% Nick Chubb through the first half of the summer. And now you have you started to boost or had you had more of him before that? I had a little bit, but definitely not at the fields number. Uh, Let me check that. But I think I'm at now. uh, Yeah. I'm at 4% Nick Chubb, not including the draft. So not going to get to the full 8%, I think, but we'll maybe get to six, which I feel like I'd be okay with just given, you know, how I hate running backs overall. This is, this is a pretty high T running back room for you. I think like if you add up the projected catches per game of this entire room, it's like 1.3. <laughs> but you know what? Lots of great goal line work for all these guys coming up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think I would have gone with a sixth running back in this build instead of the ninth wide receiver. But um, that just because then you end up with kind of like three late fringe guys. And I think maybe you could have banked in like uh, one more running back flyer, but yeah. Chris uh, Evans, building maybe. out your stacks. Yeah, yeah no, let's nobody talk. jumped out. We should talk about that because I'm going to, I want to talk to uh, Sean about that one where the Bengals backfield, I've been wanting to figure out who the RB2 is for a long time because I think there's a lot of value there. Basically, even just a macro take of who, re- of who it is regardless, the team is basically telling us they do not want to use Joe Mixon as their pass down back. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to guess, is it going to be Travion? Is it going to be, you know, um, uh, who's their rookie Brown chase Brown, chase Brown yeah. and and now all of a sudden it's like Chris Evans we're getting the renaissance here it's being reported in multiple spots I wrote about this in the fantasy life newsletter on Monday like pretty definitively the team loves what they're seeing from him in pass protection as a receiver and as a rusher um, and this is one of those spots where I'm trying to I'm trying to think how I want to play it because I don't want to be tethered to my priors where I was selecting a lot of the other guys. On the other hand, Travion Williams has been out for a lot of this and he was kind of the presumptive number two there for a while. So I want to be careful, but I don't see a lot of risk of starting to add some Chris Evans at the end of drafts where a Cincinnati back makes sense. Like I'm not going out of my way to just add him, but if I'm building out chiefs or Bengals stacks, or I have a zero RB build where I want a guy who hasn't been drafted in more than what, maybe 15, 10, 15% of all drafts. He seems like a guy that you actually want to take advantage of the information edge that you have drafting now compared to those of us who are drafting in May. I still think Chase Brown wins a job at some point just because he was a volume back, just because he has uh, portended well in the past game, even in the preseason. And also, too, like the team has talked to beat reporters and said, hey, uh, these, we probably don't know how good these guys are because of how bad the blocking has been up front for the Bengals overall in the preseason. So I get Chris Evans. Like, I think you have him to start the year. The thing for me of grabbing Chris Evans now is that I have so much Chase Brown because I thought that was the right bet. And I would like to kind of walk that back and get some Evans just to differentiate. Uh, but I think Brown is there in week 17, you know, but Chase, but Chris Evans probably to start the year has the role. And if he does well, then like he probably holds off Chase Brown. Yeah. And that's the, the key part that you mentioned there is just, if you, if you have a sound thesis for like why a player could still get there, then I don't think it's bad to be stubborn, but like my thesis has kind of changed for the Bengals where I don't want to be stubborn with like, yeah, I thought it was Travion Williams there for a stretch. And it's like, I was wrong, right? So do I want to keep like building suboptimal teams to be like, no, I'm, I want to be right. It's the same thing with Tyquan Thornton. Like I'm now just not going to take him in drafts. You know, like I'm going to correct that mistake. I'll end up less than 10% on him just the way it will work out by me not drafting him the rest of drafting season. It's hard to take that L uh, on a player that you were drafting a lot early, but that's the beauty of a portfolio, right? It's like the whole point of drafting now too and having some of your bullets is that you can build teams that old Pete didn't have access 
to making. So like, why like just try to appeal to your former self and their decisions when you have more information now and you can actually correct things from a portfolio standpoint down the gate. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And I think that's the main thing that, um, you know, Leone wrote up in the best ball manifesto as you get closer to the season, you're going to be less likely to have zeros put up. And, you know, Chris Evans, I think at this point, if you drafted in May, probably would have thought he'd be a zero. Now it looks like he might be closer to having a shot to actually put a number up in week 17. So um, I think getting the Evans at this point of the draft, like people are so excited to steam up other players. And it's like, just take guys in the 18th round who might actually now have a role that we didn't know about. Yeah, for sure. Um, Spags, you are going to go draft a team on the Splash Play channel right after this. Um, let me check in on my sub count here, Spags. We are 25 subs away. So we will hit this, I think, within the next hour or two. So make sure you guys get your comments in. Um, we have a bunch on the Splash Play channel as well that are eligible for the comment giveaway. All of them are in the playlist down below. It's titled 150 Stream Drafts. A bunch of you have been going through all of those. I'm legitimately going to have to carve out an hour of time just to respond to all of those comments. But I truly appreciate it. And it's been great. Had the goal to get to 15K subs to stream 150 drafts. And the fact that it's all kind of coming to a head at the end of the drafting season uh, feels right. No, I'm, I think, again, I speak for the chat. I speak for myself and I say, I'm very happy to see you do this. The work that Pete's put in, I know you guys could tell by just going on the channel and seeing everything that's going on, but you really dedicate yourself to something and it's great to see you come through and do it. And um, similarly, Pete, because you have so many people on your channel, I want to plug one thing I'm doing on Thursday. I'm going to do eight hours of DraftKings rest on wow. Thursday because I find them incredibly upsetting. They have been tilted me on stream. I get sniped on everything. So much like your 150 stream drafts, I think it's just a psychological experiment to see if I break. So, so you're, and I think what did you, time. you're committing to eight drafts? Well, I guess at least, but I'm going to go nine to five on Thursday. So I'll do a work day of drafting a day at the DraftKings coal mines because I got to, I need 45 more entries in on there. And all, all at one time. Or are you going to multi-table some? I do. I mean, I guess we'll see where the room takes me, but <laughs> I think I'm going to try to do one at a time just because DraftKings is so not intuitive that I don't want to risk missing more picks. That's incredible. Um, I did want to answer this one. How will you pick the winners live stream? So yes, I am going to be doing, I will have a special Friday afternoon show. I still need to book that guest. It will be best ball after dark that I normally make just for YouTube members. But for this special occasion, we're going to make best ball after dark, not only an afternoon show, but a public show. And we will do the drawing then. Um, luckily someone in the community, KH reached out to me and basically built a tool that one scrapes all the comments and now he is building me our own wheel to actually do the spin too, which is just a massive, massive help because yes, could I have scraped it with Excel stuff and then, you know, compiled things, but wheelofnames.com, which I use for like randomizer and normal giveaways and stuff, it literally can't hold all of these comments. And so KH has built a tool. And I think what it's going to actually be like is almost like Battle Dome style where like all the names are going to be on one spin and then it'll narrow down and we'll get a couple smaller subsets. So we're going to get a couple spins. It'll be very dramatic. And yes, we will draw three different winners. You do not have to be there live to win. There will be, I'll do a couple alternates just in case, like if people don't reach out to me and I'll have to verify your username, you know, with the one that won, but we'll make sure to touch base. I will Venmo you or PayPal, none of this cash app bullshit. And uh, we'll, we'll get it all squared away. So yes, that'll be Friday afternoon specs. Or you could just barter services, I suppose. You could give $1,500 worth of Pete. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, maybe you get to show up to a behind-the-scenes taping of Best Ball Brunch. You know, maybe that's the next giveaway. <laughs> uh, the smell in that room. <laughs>
seems like a great time to end this show, Spags. <laughs> uh, make sure to follow the show at Splash Play Pod. Of course, follow Pete at Peter Overzet. Follow me at Chris Spags. And come hang out on the Splash Play channel and go over there and do at least one draft in BBM uh, coming up the second this stream ends. But anything else, Pete, anything you're doing today? The club doing weekly winners? Yeah, we're going to do some weekly winners. Uh, apparently, there's some new thing in, in crypto and social sites called Friend Tech that we're going to talk about. Uh, Andy and Clay will have to school me on that. But yeah, Spags, I'm, I'm obsessed with weekly winners. I'm doing a mix of like whenever I I can sneak in a live draft. It's a weekly winners. Whenever I'm entering slow drafts, it is a weekly winners. So we are going to talk more strategy on that and uh, rip one of those teams today. And then I got my fantasy life discord AMA office hours as usual at 3 30 PM. And then uh, tomorrow uh, best ball breakfast with Sean and Pat at 10 AM. Yep, and I got stuff going on every day on at Splash Play Pod. Of course, go subscribe over there too on our March to 3K subs, which is much less impressive than Pete's number and much less, much less likely to get hit at this point. But at some point, we're going to get there. Uh, but fun hanging out with you, Pete. Fun hanging out with you guys in chat. Appreciate all you being here. And any final words? No, head over to Splash Play. It should set up here that the second this ends, you should just be able to refresh and you will be there. If not, head over to the Splash Play channel where Spags will be drafting a team. Appreciate all of you. Get those comments in here. If you're for some reason watching this channel, we're 25 away from 15K. You could be the 15K sub. That would be just an incredible thing to put on your resume. So go ahead and give that a shot and check out Spags over on Splash Play. We'll see you guys next Tuesday.